good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. I'm Ali Amagasu, and after quite a hiatus, uh, we're back with another episode of the Cloud Unfiltered Podcast. Like many of you, we have been thrown a bit by the pandemic, by the social unrest going on in our country. So uh, we've been focusing on a lot of things. And we want to start talking about our business, though. Uh, well, we're always talking about our business, but we finally have a little bit of time to, to dedicate back to... Uh, to the podcast. So thank you for joining us today. We're thrilled to be talking about security. Our guest today is John Heinz. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, what's your title? I don't even have that written down here. So uh, yeah, you know, Cisco's changing titles all the time, but I think of myself as the global systems engineering manager. So I run the SEs for StealthWatch Cloud globally. So we're a global product. I run the team. Pete, before we carry on, I want to say hello to you. Welcome. Hey. Happy to be talking to you again. Same. All right. You know, I'll tell you, John, it's been a long time since we've had someone on the show to talk about security. And so much has happened. So many things have changed. Before we get into the specifics of some of the products we wanted to talk about, with things that are going on right now, do you think that, that companies are more vulnerable with more remote workers? We know more people are working from home than ever. And we know some will come back and some probably never will. Does that open up companies in any meaningful way? If they already have a solid security strategy in place, are they having to rejigger that? Or are they? do you, do you think that's not an issue? So yeah, I, I definitely think a lot of them are looking at that or rethinking about how they support that. So for example, if Cisco had you know 10,000 remote worker employees and it went to 50,000 in a week or two, right, or a month, like that's a big, big change in just how people connect. So all that infrastructure at the office is not used right now. And you have to kind of rethink about how to connect those employees, how to make sure that the, the laptops, the phones they have are you know, not subject to some kind of um, malware, things like that. But I think the first thing these companies are trying to do is just get their employees to be productive, right? If you're gonna be home for the next six, 12 months, who knows for sure, you know, how, do you, how do you actually use the application you need to use and how do you make sure they do it securely? And so that's the first thing I think they have to solve for. And then, you know, it's more about now that we solved the business problem, my employees can work, let's make sure that we're not you know, introducing more risk to the, to the environment. So I think we're seeing more of that second half of that thing, right? Getting them working is the first part and then making sure they're, they're secure. Well, I know your area of expertise is StealthWatch. And we learned so much about StealthWatch last time we had a guest from your organization on. Really cool product. So John, before we get into how this product StealthWatch has changed, can you first let our audience uh, help them understand what StealthWatch is, what it does, and why it's different from other security tools they may already be using. Sure. So, you know, at the core of StealthWatch, I guess when you think about a security ecosystem, you got things on the endpoint protecting it. You have things at the border, you know, keeping bad stuff out. You have uh, even like segmentation in the network saying that this machine is a server or whatever. It shouldn't talk to guest wireless. All these little things that are in place. And we certainly don't displace those things. Those are things that every, in like an umbrella, right? Checking your DNS layer protection. And so then you go, right, what, what is StealthWatch? Why do I need another, another security tool? And what we're finding is, is that, or we found rather, is that you know, as much as we have a good security ecosystem, threats still get in. You, know, you could take your laptop somewhere and get infected potentially, or plug a, a USB stick in, right? Whatever, there's lots of ways it can happen. And so the thing is, like, once it's inside your network, how do you know that? If, it, if it's not, if it's a zero-day malware and maybe it's not being detected by your endpoint, that's where StealthWatch Cloud is this 
using the network itself as a sensor. So everything that attaches to your network has a role or a reason to attach to the network. And I'll, I use simple examples um, when I do my webinars. So at your house, you have a laptop, probably several, you have iPads, you have printers, you probably have streaming things for your TVs, Xboxes, et cetera. Each of those things has a function of the reason why you, you attach it to the network. If it didn't need to be attached to the network, you wouldn't, wouldn't be get on your, on your Wi-Fi. So think about your printer, serves print jobs, talks to your most of your laptops. Probably doesn't talk to your streaming device ever very often, certainly doesn't exchange data with it. Probably doesn't do much external data movement at all, really. It's meant to just kind of function inside your house and do this little bitty thing. And so to know if that ever changed, how would you know, right? It's a simple example, but the printer doesn't typically run agents. You don't put you know, AMP on a printer, but it is attached to the network. And so one day, if that printer ever doesn't behave like a printer and it's on the network, StealthWatch Cloud is watching all this traffic and knows how it's behaved in the past and knows it's a printer. And it can tell you that this thing is now acting badly in a secure posture, you know, from a securely made, uh, secure manner. That at the heart of it, it's looking at all the network traffic. And now we're doing is that traffic's in the cloud, that traffic's at your house when you're working from home. So wherever you're consuming network resources at is using that traffic, watching it, understanding behavior, and then telling you when, when something that is bad is happening. That's it at a very, very, try to be simple explanation. So yeah. does it do that out of the box or does it take time for StealthWatch to, to start to understand your company's particular patterns? That's a good question. So and it's probably the most common one we get. And so certainly out of the box, about half our detections work. And I'll give you another simple example. Um, if I attach, if I enable my house and I have a machine that every hour scans my network and is looking for open ports or protocols and then it just happens, right? I have a, some kind of application that's bad that's trying to find some vulnerability. That's a immediate detection that happens day zero. And we're gonna tell you about that because we know that that's not typical for a machine to do. Same thing if we see, uh, you know, a machine that's talking to a bunch of IP addresses that Talos has said have a bad reputation. We know that that represents bad behavior. You don't need a month to go learn behavior to tell you this is a bad thing. So I think of it as two ways. We have these zero day detections looking for known bad behavior. Then over the course of a month, we gradually enable our other detections. So like um, something like a, uh, a new remote access. So somebody uh, accessing your network remotely is a 36-day baseline because we want to watch how your normal remote actions happen and then can tell you this one actually is, is the different than the normal one. So looking at which countries access it, what time of day they access, how much data they move, those things take about 30 or so days. And what's kind of cool is in the meantime, we can show you what's happening. So you're not just going to like baseline the bad things. You can say these are all the things that have happened. You know, certainly if they're seeming risky to you, you can then, you know, take some action on them. Okay, so it's a, that that doesn't sound terribly long. So it's kind of thirty no, days. Thirty six days is our longest baseline. Thirty six days of machine learning for the for StealthWatch to learn what's typical at your company. Now, I assume it continues learning throughout the lifetime that you're using it. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So it's not just you know the first thirty six days. You know, over time, behaviors change in the network, and so we're always kind of looking at those things, right, as new data comes in, comparing it to previous data. That's a big part of what we call entity modeling is, is this new traffic similar to the old traffic on a machine-by-machine -machine basis? And if it is, then we think it's okay. If we see deviation, we can then, um, you know, obviously let you know about that. 
Now, you mentioned Talos when you were uh, speaking earlier. Talos is obviously a big, important part of the Cisco security family. What role does Talos play for you guys? Yeah, actually, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it's pretty cool. So uh, recently, Talos wrote their first StealthWatch Cloud alert. What that means is it didn't just say like, hey, we think we should have an alert for this. They actually wrote the algorithm in Python that our team then like in, ingested or used GitHub and built an alert out of that. And so that's an example of the relationship with Talos actually maturing because, you know, two years ago, they weren't writing StealthWatch Cloud alerts. They were just learning about what StealthWatch Cloud is. So beyond using them for threat intelligence, they are now... Um, they have access to anonymized data where they're actually looking for behaviors inside all of our, you know, as Talos does you know, all the time. But they're able to now build detections and have our team implement in StealthWatch Cloud and start to like, so it makes our alert efficacy even better. And we can now add new Talos-based detections, which is awesome because um, you know, those, those are the smartest guys at Cisco looking for threats. And that's what we want, um, guys and girls, sorry. So you've touched on it, it sounds like, what Talos does for you guys. But threat intelligence, what is the Talos does in general? What do you mean by threat intelligence? Yeah, so what they're doing is they're looking, you know, pervasively across all this traffic that Cisco has access to. And, you know, they have some really good examples of them finding examples of malware events or uh, potential compromises that are happening that they can then blog about or they can post to the actual threat intelligence community. So... You know, I don't know what happens behind the locked doors inside Talos. I assume it's a bunch of really smart people sitting in dark rooms looking at, you know, data <laughs> and analysis. At the end of the day, what we like is they can tell us that this IP address is known for this or that. You know, it's known for, for hosting malware or for being a Bitcoin miner or something like that. And so that's the data we, we consume so we can tell you how your, your network is interacting with these bad people. But then, yeah, like I said, the thing that's really becoming cool is they can now start authoring detections inside of the product, and that that makes our stuff even even better. That is really cool. I did not know that's what Talos did. Can you tell us how StealthWatch has has evolved in the in the past year since we've we've spoken with Patrick? So yeah, it's been about a year since Patrick was on. A couple of things, right? The core of the product is still the same: looking at behavior, understanding it, and telling you when something changes that's that's bad behavior. As we see new threats, you know, certainly we have to kind of update the algorithms to still be, be um, you know, to be able to catch the latest and greatest kind of things. So a couple of things we're doing, I think back when Patrick was on, we were, uh, we're kind of finishing our multi-cloud solution, being that initially we were just kind of supporting Amazon Web Services, then we added Google, and now we've added Azure. So the, you know, phase one is get network data from those big three providers, analyze it, tell you when bad things are happening. What we're seeing now is as we kind of, as the market matures in the cloud environments is beyond just the network data is to make sure that um, additional things aren't at risk. So for example, if I'm a lazy admin and I log in with root every time, you know, that's probably a bad thing to be doing in the cloud account. That's not in the NetFlow data, but that's in the, in the cloud data that we get, the telemetry we get from them. So it's, I'd say it's a more holistic approach to cloud security than just the network piece, which is what we started with looking at user accounts, who's, who's accessing that cloud uh, console and which country they're coming from. Does Talos know that IP addresses has a bad reputation? Reporting to like, is my cloud environment secure? Am I meeting my PCI compliance? Things like that. We're as, our customers are asking us for more of those kinds of things. And so as we add and develop on the product, we're definitely moving more in that direction or adding those capabilities. 
Very cool. Now, when you hear that stuff, Pete, does that raise questions for you? Yeah, I guess it raises more awesomeness. You know, people tend to think of Cisco as a box company. And in many ways, we think of ourselves as that way, too. But, you know, in my day job that I spend enabling both internal sales and our partner ecosystem, what I tell them all the time is, even if you lose the box deal, you should still sell self-watch and FD because that will help you establish a relationship with not just the IT people in an organization, but the people building applications. And that's a new buying center for us. There's all kinds of goodness we can do there and, and we can help them with tools like this. Let, let me ask you, so are you going to the extent where you're analyzing to, to get pretty nerdy here for a minute? Are you, are you analyzing things like AWS IAM roles now? And whether yes. they're too too liberal, too liberally granted, or are you get? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, let's get nerdy. Um, so that's exactly the kinds of things that we're doing more of. We're looking at what APIs are accessing the account, and um, is it is this API now calling things that hadn't called before? So it's all the kinds of goodness that we did in the network side of looking at behavior and deviations, we can start doing with IAM, we can start doing with you know APIs in general, how they're being used in the account. So like CloudTrail um, data? Absolutely, CloudTrail, but that's, that's a good point. It's like CloudTrail that we started with, but now we're pulling in Azure detections and Google Cloud detections too, right? And so that way, if you're using multiple clouds, you don't have a tool here, a tool here. So you know, I'll give you an example. If I log into my Google console from the UK, that would be, and I don't do anything in the network, just I log into it and I do some, a couple of things, don't do anything on the network side. StealthWatch Cloud will see that IAM account being used from an unusual location and will say, this is not typical John. And so it'll produce that kind of a detection. And that's what we're, we're building more of those things um, as we grow the product. Interesting. The use case that I used to the internal customer wasn't a StealthWatch or AppD customer, but there was a, a, a famous bank that had a breach last year that had set up some firewall rules on a VM incorrectly. The hacker got into that VM and was able to, in the EC2 metadata, get access to the temporary credentials, exactly. grant themselves access to those credentials, which happened to give access to all 700 S3 buckets that had 100 million credit card applications in it. And if you had these tools in place, A, hey, nobody's logged into this VM from Boston before. You might want to check that out. And you know, B, do you really want to have an IAM role that grants access to 700 buckets? Maybe your application architecture is too flat and you should do something about that. And that's, that's a, a kind of example of things like AppD and StealthWatch can, can help you with that even if you didn't sell them the boxes, right? Cisco can help you with these things. That's a long way of asking. When you position this to customers, do, do you do it in the way that I like to position it, I want to see if you feel similarly, is with the shared responsibility model, right? Like most people don't know what that is, but it's, you know, it, it's what part is the public cloud responsible for and what part are you responsible for? And ultimately, you are responsible for things like your firewall rules. So Capital AWS one. is responsible for, you know, things like the armed guards at the at the data center, but you're responsible for things like those firewall rules, your IM roles, your data protection. And at least when I talk to customers about this, I, I like to like throw up that slide that shows them the shared responsibility model. And it's like, here's the stuff you need help with and tools like AppD and StuffWatch, StuffWatch can help you with those. Do, do you position it similarly or am I out on a limb here? No, I think you're uh, you're exactly right. You know that breach you mentioned was a good example of like 
you know, leveraging one thing to get access to another thing that actually got you to where you wanted to go, right? It wasn't, yeah. they, get, they didn't get straight to the S3 buckets. They were able to, to get to a key and, and then escalate from there. And so that's that more holistic approach to security that you just talked about or that we're talking about. And I think the challenge is, you know, as people move to the cloud, they're learning a lot. There's different teams involved. As you mentioned, different buying centers. The people we sold ASAs and firewalls to aren't necessarily the cloud people that are building the cloud networks. And so we're kind of having those conversations now with them. Um, on the positive side, it is new buying centers. Having AppD, having Tetration helps us have that, you know, a better story together, right? And so we can kind of go together into these conversations versus just StealthWatch or just AppD. So AppD folks can talk about StealthWatch and vice versa, right? We can nice. talk about how we're, our approach to security. And that's what this whole app for security thing Cisco is really focusing on and teaching the SD teams about and teaching customers about is that approach of AppD, Tetration, StealthWatch Cloud together with Duo from an access level to make sure that you are who you say you are. Nice. Now, the, the product set is far more multi-cloud than it was when we had Patrick on. You, you mentioned at the time Patrick was on, it was only Amazon data, but now you can do stuff with Azure and Google. Do you see different patterns in the different clouds or are you seeing similar patterns within the different clouds? No, I never thought about that. I would say overall similar patterns in the clouds. I think what we're seeing is the the people using Azure. So Azure is really the uptick in Azure is crazy right now. Like that's our, you know, it's almost more demand than AWS. And it's because Microsoft's starting to sell into the enterprise commercial space, the people who buy Office 365 and all that, the typical IT groups. And so we're definitely seeing a lot more interest there. And it's a lot of education on our side about how we work inside Azure and all that stuff. But the detections are very similar across all three, um, I would say. Hmm. It, so it, the, the one thing that, that Azure does things a little bit differently than the other two is that there's a heavy reliance on Active Directory, right? Because yeah. they have that they have that huge Active Directory install base that they have in the data center that they want to retain as they're trying to move them to the cloud. Do you, do you see anything in that specific part of it? Or are there any specific hooks into AD that StealthWatch has? So nothing specific, no. We're now, so initially when we first launched, we were just pulling in what they call NSG logs, which is network security group pull logs, NetFlow for Azure. Right. And now we started to pull in user account data, like who's doing what inside Azure, like are they building stuff in, in Asia that, that is mainly a U.S. company, we won't see anything else built over there, so someone's doing something to slide. But nothing, I'd say at this point, we're still maturing with the AD integration. And we're just right now pulling in context from users and behavior data, but probably more to be done there. Okay, so nothing AD specific, but still in the same vein of looking at user behavior. That's yeah, it's really context for for either machines or users. So, you know, like we're now pulling in ICE data. So ICE is looked at AD. ICE tells us who's on the machine. So if Selfwatch has an alert, we can now see oh, it was actually you know John on there, or Pete on there that was doing the bad thing versus right. a blank guy. Okay, girl. that makes sense. Yep. And yeah, then, it does, because then... Pete does bad things. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. I appreciate that. Now, now, what about as we look out a little bit further, SecureX is a big part of Cisco's holistic security journey. What's StealthWatch's uh, role going to be there? I'm not SecureX. Is that like a new thing? Is that something Cisco just... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's been, in the news. that's been in the news a lot. Uh, you might take a minute to backpedal and explain to the yeah, audience. Yeah, give me five minutes. Let me go read a blog real quick. Yeah, SecureX <laughs> is everywhere. And of course, we are... Um, it's pretty cool. So, 
you know, we're not a huge product inside SVG. We're still kind of this, you know, in the startup phase. And so on the initial um, demos of SecureX, StealthWatch Cloud was a featured integration. We had one of our data exfiltration alerts, and they're using that to pivot around inside SecureX to show context and then go remediate. So us being cloud native and SecureX being cloud native, we are all over that. We actually have two uh, videos we're building for uh, Impact and other events that are going to show us using so StealthWatch Cloud, right? It's a network analytics detection system. And so let's say we find this bad thing. Well, we can't go, we can't isolate the host directly. ICE can, AMP can, other tools can like Tetration. So now with SecureX, rather than us build an ICE integration, an AMP integration, an Amazon integration, we just, we talk to SecureX, use this action orchestrator, then go do these things. And so we already have demos done of us using Tetration and AMP to take a automatic remediation from StealthWatch Cloud to an host isolation in, in you know, 30 seconds to a minute. So we see SecureX as a major way for us to broaden our, our capabilities from a, uh, you know, how we integrate and how we can leverage what we're detecting versus what the customer really wants, which was to stop the bad guy very, very quickly without having to do a lot of work. Um, so we are part of the GA release of SecureX. Uh, we have the ribbon now available on our product. And my team is very excited about it. I've told them all to, you know, that's the top priority for us the rest of this year is integrating, learning, teaching customers about SecureX and StealthWatch Cloud. That's awesome. I mean, among the things that I like about it is, is we see this trend in Cisco of sort of combining some of the dashboards of individual products we had. And in addition to doing enablement on cloud products, what I also spend time with our partners doing uh, DevNet. Okay. And one of the nice things about these dashboards, right, is now you have, you have one place that you can start sort of your automation journey with the APIs. What, what, what kind of things do you think we have to look forward to with automation in SecureX given that you're going to have all these different products under the hood and that'll be your your first stop to to finding information about all of them yeah so what we're doing now is um we're still learning a little bit because we're kind of new to what's what what is the action orchestrator part of SecureX, which is sure. the way that you take a thing and a piece of data and run a playbook against it or workflow if you want to call it that and then produce an outcome and so our team is is actually going, what do our customers want the most? And it seems to be host isolation and things like that. So that's why I mentioned like the two we're building, especially as the Tetration one, because we're both in that multi-cloud space is, is being able to take any kind of system or event from StealthWatch, enrich it with context, and that could be AMP or something like that, and then isolate mm -hmm. via the action orchestrator. So that's all, of course, API driven. And we actually, I think probably since you talked to Patrick, we, we we did become part of the DevNet community. Now StealthWatch Cloud is represented there with some of our more common API calls. So, you know, we were doing a lot of that bespoke type things one-on-one -on -one with companies that are using Splunk and, and like, you know, Domesto, not to say that word, but, you know, other companies out there that, we're, that wanted these things to happen. So we were doing it anyway, and now we're just doing it in a Cisco product, which is good because then we can leverage it across um, other things. So one thing cool about Action Orchestrator is if I build a workflow in a playbook, I can like upload it and share it. And so if you want to do it tomorrow, Pete, you don't rewrite what I just wrote. You just right. take mine. It's like GitHub, right? I can take your thing. I can modify it to make my thing better or to use it. And then, so it's a, it's a nice way of sharing that kind of uh, development effort. Well, and and we don't market it this way, but I, I think of Action Orchestrator as our no code or low code play for all these exactly. things, right? It's not like you don't have to be a Python expert to use Action Orchestrator to tie some of these things together with automation. Certainly if you have some Python skill, you can augment what's there 
but it's I mean it's drag and drop like you know it's it's very visual programming model that that can make that world more approachable to a wider audience. I love that I love that tool yep. as well. So when we're talking about all this stuff, I'm sure that everyone who's listening right now has some kind of security you know measures in place. They have a lot of tools in place. Should Stealthwatch be part of a baseline for any company? Is it a next level thing? Where does it play in the whole security ecosystem? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So, um, you know, we certainly think it should be part of the baseline, but certainly we recognize that, you know, you're always going to have a firewall. There's things you always are table stakes to to having a network that you have to have router switches, etc. As security operations mature. That's where I think a Stealthwatch type product, and you have the enterprise or cloud, you can pick your flavor, but it's really, um, you need something to understand everything going on in the network. And so, you know, if you, if you don't have a, at least a decent or somewhat mature security staff, then you're gonna get a bunch of things that are happening, you don't know what to do with, right? And so that's why it seems to us that in general, companies with a higher level of sophistication from a security perspective are ones with more critical data. So you think of like finance, you think of you know, banks, you think of um, you know, hospitals, even like uh, we found now is like even like in the state and local education space, they're often attacked just because of who they are. Even like your local school district, right? Their kids don't want to work, go to school sometimes, not right now apparently, but you know, they will try and take down the network so they can get out of a, an exam sometimes. And so we're finding as even as we go down market and as some of the traditional areas that didn't buy our product, they need that because they need to know what's going on in their network. Certainly as breaches become more public and more publicized, that's where Stealthwatch Cloud is great at because we are watching all that lateral movement, which most of the time they're blind to. So I would say, to sum it up, we're seeing it across different, many different types of companies. There's not one that I would say uh, is special, but certainly ones that have higher or critical data or have compliance requirements are the ones that usually approach us first. Well, you answered my question before I could ask it about the verticals, so I appreciate that. So those are the guys who have gotten are seeing the value in this first: finance, healthcare, education. Sounds like. Yeah, because it it's more you know it costs money, and so they recognize that they have to spend money; they can't take chances. I think companies are even taking chances in the past by not having as much security in place are now realizing that, oh, you know, I didn't actually save any money because this thing cost me a month of downtime or cost this kind of publicity issue, stuff like that. Right. I'm always stunned when I read those articles they have about the average cost of a security breach. You're like, yeah, holy cow. It winds up being some stunning number. And, and I think probably most people think, well, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to cost us that much. But then when it happens, if you could undo all that damage. Hey, the one thing I want to add, too, is one of the cool things about Stealthwatch Cloud, which I think is why it's unique, is that you can be a mom and pop pizza shop, you can be a restaurant, or you can you know, own a chain of gas stations, whatever. You don't have to spend a million dollars to buy Stealthwatch Cloud. We have customers that spend $500 a month because they have a very small footprint. Because it's cloud hosted, it's SaaS, you pay by the endpoint. You don't have this big, big upfront investment in gear and equipment. And that's kind of the value of, of cloud. And that's why we're seeing a lot of interest actually in the SMB space because they haven't historically had access to a product like this because of just the cost of implementing something in the network. So I'm glad you mentioned that because truly I was out in my head hearing you talk about it. I was thinking this is an enterprise only play. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me is, is those small businesses, say, let's say the gas station, I feel like they have lesser margin than error. They have that disaster where someone's stolen their data and something terrible happens. They don't have the giant financial cushion that a that a, a large enterprise might have to survive that. Yeah. Right? 
they, they, they really can't, can't have something go wrong. And so to make it where it's affordable to them, that's exciting. I didn't realize that was even. Yeah, we can, uh, we're doing a lot. We're seeing a lot of that, you know, sub 500 endpoints. And the goal is, as you mentioned earlier, you, you can't make it so complex that a one or two person IT team can't manage it. And so that's part of why we did that, that modeling thing. So they don't have to go to find a bunch of things. We just do it automatically and just tell them when something bad's happening. Was there anything else we should cover before you go, John, or did I, did I hit all the good stuff? No, I think you did. I mean, for us, I think the most exciting thing is this cloud security posture management, this more holistic approach to cloud security. And then, of course, you know, leveraging our goodness with the StealthWatch cloud awesomeness and building like an even better portfolio of solutions, which, you know, those are the two big things for the next six to 18 months that we'll be focusing on. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you updating us. And, uh, yeah. and we hope you'll come back soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the time. And yeah, let's not yeah. be strangers. All right. Cheers, man. Thanks. All right. All right. Thanks, Pete. Bye-bye.